A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Heko nai purangi te nei na te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Na mihi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. What does it take to have a good life? It's a subject dear to the heart of psychologist Joseph Bulbulia from Victoria University of Wellington. I'm interested in people. I'm particularly interested in the kinds of things that we do outside of work and how those things uh, affect our relationships and how our lives turn out. So in short, I'm interested in kind of what makes life good. What are the things that lead people to have a rewarding satisfying, meaningful life. And what could be more important than that? Okay, we'll just park that for a second and we're definitely coming back to it. But how do you go about doing that? Well, I work with a a variety of people and a variety of teams. And we look at the question of what makes life good and what makes society good at different scales. The main scale I'm interested in right now is uh, New Zealand society and the the people in New Zealand society over time. I'm part of a study called the New Zealand Attitudes and Values Study, and what we're doing is we're sending questionnaires to people each year, broad-based survey questionnaires about personality, attitudes to politics, to the environment, uh, questions about their health, relationships, work environments. And what we do is... By following people over time and asking these questions, we can begin to unpiece the mechanisms of what makes people happy and resilient and other directed, cooperative, charitable, volunteering, all that kind of thing. And so that's the the main focus of my work. But I work with other groups uh, overseas, and we're looking at large-scale historical databases, and we're trying to think of the mechanisms that made societies across the planet flourish and fall to pieces. And those are questions about uh, political organization, social organization, and the cultures of uh, virtue and other directed respect that enabled societies to, to come together and make the magnificent world we live in today. And the power of the New Zealand Attitude and Values mm-hmm. group is that you have thousands of people who answer the questionnaires, don't you? We've had uh, over 60,000 people respond, and we have about 40,000 people who are still in the study. That gives an enormous ability to track New Zealand across its tremendous diversity, ethnic, cultural diversity across age groups, across different strata of income uh, and privilege. And uh, for this reason, we can get signals that people can't get anywhere else in the world. What would you say makes life good? Well, some of the surprising outcomes of the study have been, for me in in particular, the the role of relationships, just much more so than than making lots of money or gaining promotion or, uh, say, having a child. We tend to think of that as very important, acquiring goods. We find the people who are in relationships tend to report much greater satisfaction over time and much lower anxiety and distress. And, of course, relationships can be anxiety-provoking and distressing, 
But if you even averaging out over all the negative relationships that we have, it's those personal relationships, and in particular the romantic relationships, that tend to make people on average happier across the society. And the magnitude of the effect is, is massive. So I think my initial interest was in the role of religion and religious groups and, I guess, spirituality and how that might help us to come together and feel a sense of meaning. But it pales in comparison to the effect of having a good relationship. So that's, uh, I think, underestimated. For example, you know, we, we work quite hard. We're working even harder as New Zealanders over time. But there isn't a lot of space and attention given to how it is that we can preserve those personal relationships through an increasingly hectic and uh, demanding world. A second interest for me has been the role of relaxation and just ease of effort, okay? So uh, rest, in short. And that interest came out of work that we've been doing on COVID in, in the lockdown, Now, New Zealand was facing an extraordinary challenge uh, back in March and April. Uh, We had our borders closed. As an island in the middle of the Pacific, we don't have ready access to income, to goods, to to all of the things that we enjoy and are used to being here. We're cut off from the world. We don't know what the attack of the virus is going to be. However, we're looking at images in Lombardy and New York City, and we're seeing corpses piling up in the corridors of hospitals. We know here that we have a very limited hospital capacity. We don't know whether a lockdown is going to work, right? So we're facing the same kind of distressful, and in, in some circumstances, argue, you know, much more distressing environment than, than other countries were facing at that time given all our dependencies and fragilities. So there was huge amounts of uncertainty. There is, yeah. But I do science. I'm not here to you know, praise a government or criticise a government. But uh, one of the effects of the government's uh, very rapid response to securing both income protection for people very rapidly, and mortality started, and we had an increase in the number of cases through the first couple of weeks, But nevertheless, that action uh, had the effect of suppressing the distress that other countries were experiencing because you could see that the the virus was taking off at a much greater rate and because people didn't have ready access to income and income protection. So when we look across the survey, we could see at the margins of this enormous diversity of our, our country distressful signals. So people were stressed out about income and remain distressed. I don't want to understate that. And that can be very important because, you know, if you say you have 2 or 3% of a population, in adults we're looking at 50,000, 80,000 people, it could be very distressed. But nevertheless, that broad middle piece of the, the country was not as challenged as we have seen in other countries. We also found that people were not worried about their health. We didn't get those kind of indications, um, despite the distressing news from overseas while we were in lockdown. But what we also found is that relief from not having a daily grind of getting up, you're getting to the interview, um, getting to work, preparing kids uh, for school in the same way and in the same routines, getting to your own job, all of that was put on hold. Cars stopped, the roads were, were vacant. And the effect of that for many people, and again, I want to stress the margins, some people were experiencing extraordinary distress, which we also 
detected. But for the, again, that broad bandwidth of, of New Zealand, there was a sense of relief, rest, just more uh, sleep and less challenge from, from the daily grind. And that we can, in our statistical models, examine the relationship of those variables, which are very important to, to distress and anxiety, that turning down the volume of the ordinary routine helped us to feel relief and then to cope with the uh, extraordinary challenges that the country was facing and still faces. The distress that was coming out of the first lockdown was distress among people who were having difficulties in their personal relationships. So we're linking rest and personal relationship very directly in that lockdown. So for many people, uh, you know, our experiences are all pretty diverse. You have your friends, oh yeah, X was challenged in, in her relationship and Y was challenged in taking care of his kids and combining that with work. All of those experiences are there. And then others were like, no, I was able to reconnect with my family and friends or you know, I was stuck with my flatmates, but we, we got through it together. The distress that we do detect within the population at that time was happening in that subset of the population that was experiencing relationship challenges, okay? So relationships are, you know, the greatest thing in life, you know? Our music reflects this, our art reflects this, our culture reflects this in so many ways. But when they go bad, that can really be a challenge for people. And we see that coming together of rest, relaxation, and relationship in in that first lockdown. Uh, those are some of the the surprising uh, dimensions of the human condition that for me as someone who is thinking in you know in boxes that are provided by uh, academia, oh well, what's religion doing? What's economy doing? What's health doing, right? Uh, to find these uh, just just chilling out doing nothing. That's really important to having a good life. Right? Now it's not that that difficult when you think about it. Do nothing. Relax, structurally in, in, imposed relaxation, right, can, can help. Of course, if relationships are important, but the magnitude of importance is something that I find very uh, surprising and interesting. You say it's the power of intimate relationships. Just thinking of a heterosexual relationship, is that equal for the men and the women in the relationship? We find all sorts of gender differences among heterosexual relationships, and those are different depending on your generation, okay? So the world is changing quickly, uh, and it's, again, it's very difficult to speak in generalizations. One of the surprising results from the work we've been doing on New Zealanders is the uh, extent of difference that still exists in working heterosexual couples between men and women in the division of domestic labor, okay? I had a student who was interested in just how it is that female-male relationships work in the context of childcare and had a very broad kind of biological interest in this, like why are there sexual differences to begin with, you know, that kind of thing, and how does that pan out in a cultural setting, and how does it work within a, a setting like New Zealand where we ha we're very democratic and egalitarian and, you know, women arm roles of leadership, and, and what we discovered in looking at the data more carefully is that if you compare in a couple, and again, this is an average, I don't want to in any way generalize across that many tens of thousands around our country, millions of people, but on average, if you have a couple and you have a man who's working 40 hours a week or full-time and a woman, the man's going to be spending about five hours a week doing domestic work. 
And the woman's going to be reporting 15 to 16 hours, okay, a week of domestic work. Now, the magnitude of that difference, and there might be measurement errors, and you know, maybe men respond differently and women respond differently, but three times the difference suggests to me that there's a signal there. And uh, in my own case, as I was thinking about this, I was quite chuffed that I was doing, yeah, I'm probably doing about five hours a week. I was like, bang on it. And then when I uh, asked my partner about this, she was doing 16 hours. It was like right on the money. So that suggests to me that there's an unevenness in the domestic division of labor, uh, while at the same time women are taking on um, greater roles in public and in economic life. They're employed just like men are. Uh, They're not making quite the same salary, but they're still doing a lot of the housework. Now, on the other side, for the, the kind of, well, what do we get out of that? We do find that where work is more evenly divided, where men are reporting greater hours of work, we do find that there are more satisfying relationships. And so this is not my area of expertise, but it's one of those interesting results that we can take away and, and, and think about, well, if you want to enhance the quality of these relationships, well, having a more uh, even division of domestic labor is really going to help. There you go. Interesting. So the things that you've mostly talked about that make life good, having a really strong, intimate relationship, um, having some rest. Having any relationship is, is sort of showing that effect, but we know that that's just averaging just out over all relationships. It's not looking at the components of satisfaction within them. That, that's actually ongoing work that we're doing now. We know that you know, relationships end for reasons that people are unhappy and dissatisfied, and there is enormous dissatisfaction, of course, you know, and challenges within any human interaction, but intimate relationships are going to bring these as well. Even with all that stuff, the, the people that um, are in relationships are showing much reduced anxiety and distress. And we're, what I'm thinking of there are measures that are used um, in clinical settings as quick diagnostic measures of anxiety and depression. So doctors use these, the same questions that we ask. Now, it's not to say that relationships are for everyone. And we, again, we have people who are reporting no interest in this in the study. And when I report averages, there's such variation around that as well. And that's an important uh, take home from from the study and it's one that's hard to convey to people you can talk you know people are used to hearing oh what's the average response and of course it makes nice simple sound bites no one wants to hear hey it's complex and you know do you have a couple weeks i'll tell you all about the the variation around the means but nevertheless when we look at the the averages we do get some kind of signals that that are informative about the the expected you know outcome across all people yeah there is this kind of benefit there You've talked about less tangible things like relationships, rest and relaxation. What about where does money come into it? Do people rate money as being important for a good life? They do, and they're right, <laughs> up to a certain point. We would never want to underestimate the challenges and the distress that people experience uh, just trying to make ends meet. So uh, having more money is a buffer against those distresses. Having less really exposes uh, our dependencies on, on the s- simplest of things. Heating is extremely expensive. Um, food costs are very high in this country. Clothing, you know, basic necessities. So money is extremely important up to a certain point. And this is work that uh, has been developed by others in the 
the attitudes and values study. And I'm, so I'm going from memory, but I think it was something like the point at which it makes no difference um, is something like 150,000. It's like quite high up in, in that income zone, where beyond that you have basic necessities covered. Thanks, Joseph. Joseph Bulbulia is in the School of Psychology at Victoria University of Wellington, and he is involved in the New Zealand Attitudes and Values Study. I'm Alison Balance, and this, our Changing World podcast from RNZ, first aired on the 10th of December 2020. You can listen again at our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. The subscription link for our free email newsletter is at the bottom of the webpage. If you're in the market for podcasts to listen to this summer, might I recommend our extensive audio archive? Just click the Episodes tab and you'll find hundreds, nay thousands, of stories about New Zealand science and the environment. Also check out the podcast tab at rnz.co.nz. You'll find some great audio and video series there too. We are on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Stay safe and catch you next time. Namihi. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.